Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Thank you. Thank you so much. So good to be here today in Kingsgate. And uh, thank you for your warm welcome as well to everybody who's watching in Cambridge, everybody in Leicester, everybody in London, and of course, not forgetting Cafe Church. It's great to be with you today. And it's my honor to continue on this uh, teaching series. This is part three. And uh, today we want to talk about a house of power a highest of power. Uh, how many of you know that when Jesus is in the house, the power of God is present? And how many of you know that when the power of God is present, anything is possible? And this is the truth that I want to communicate into our hearts today. Let me tell you a little story. Little, uh, let me tell you a little something about something that I experienced many years ago. Um, you plan your life out when you're in your teens. You say, this is what I want to do. So for me, my plan was to pursue a career in music. Uh, that was the plan. How many of you know that God's the master of messing up our plans? So, to cut a long story short, I ended up studying theology, and when I was studying theology, I felt I got a call from God into ministry, so I felt God challenged me to communicate His Word. I became an evangelist, and when I became an evangelist, I wanted to be a middle-of-the-road, kind of conservative, not a signs and wonders guy, not that I didn't believe in that, but I didn't really want to go down that line. I just wanted to be uh, 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 a respected, competent sort of minister. That was the idea. Uh, and I was going around preaching at small churches of 20, 30 people, loving it, having a great time. But then one day, a larger church invited me to go and speak. I was invited to go and preach at one of their services. And so I prepared a brand new sermon for the occasion. It was a very well-crafted sermon. It uh, had three points, and each of the three points had three sub-points. And homiletically, it was very acceptable, very competent. Again, that was the deal. I wanted to be competent and safe and so on. And uh, so I went to that church, and I preached, and it went 
went very well. I, well, I thought it did anyway. And, uh, uh, and I finished my 30-minute sermon. I finished my points. I prayed. I sat down in the front row. I thought, that's my job. Done. I'm done. I, I was decent. I was all right. But my night was only just about to begin. The older pastor who was uh, leading the meeting, uh, he was a former minor, old-school pastor, didn't suffer foolishness gladly. He came over to me, and he whispered loudly. What's the point of whispering loudly? Does anybody understand that? He said, you're not finished yet. And I said, I said, well, I am. I am finished. I'm done. He said, no, you're not. (laughs) And I said, well, I am. I really am. I'm finished. No, no, you're not, he said. You've got to pray for all the sick people. Ah, I said, well, I said, I don't really do that kind of thing. I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to leave that to you. No, he said, you'll do it. He said, because we've advertised it. And then he pulled out this little poster, and there's me looking like Benny Hinn on it. He said, so you, you do it. You get onto the stage. And he made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. So I then got onto the stage completely and utterly out of my depth, and in a pathetic, whispering kind of tone, I said uh, to the congregation, large congregation, I said, if anybody wants prayer for healing, come to the front, amen, hoping that nobody would be inspired to respond. Half the people came down to the front for prayer for healing. My heart sank. I thought, these people are going to be so disappointed tonight. And as they stood at the front, I'll never forget it, the first person down at the bottom of the stairs, at the bottom of the stage, was a a lady. She wasn't an old lady, but she was holding onto a walking frame. Her spine was bent over, and she was just standing there, and she'd come out for prayer for healing. And out of compassion more than anything, I thought, well, I'll pray for her first, and then she can go and sit down, and she won't be in pain for too long. So I went down to her, uh, man of faith. And uh, anyway, I went down to her and I, I began to, uh, I put my hand on her head because I thought, well, I better do that. That looks spiritual. So I put my hand on her head. Uh, and then I began to pray. And it was a very technically correct, acceptable prayer along the lines of, Lord, it would be wonderful if you could uh, heal her. And I'm praying this, and then, of course, if you want to play, pray a technically correct prayer, there is a key line that you've got to put in there, and I'm sure a lot of you have prayed it. Uh, if you put in the words, if it be thy will, that makes a prayer technically correct. And, of course, you've got to use King James English in there as well. That makes it sound more spiritual than what it actually is. If it beest thou willest, thou canest, healest, hearest. So I'm praying this prayer. Nothing much is happening. I'm going through the motions, and then what happened next, and there's no other way to describe it. Maybe a little strange thing to say for some, but it's the only way that I can describe it. As I'm praying, God spoke to me. I felt God speak to me. You say, well, what did God say? I felt God say, not not an audible voice, but in my heart, take the woman's walking frame away. Now, there's some very clever people here in Kingsgate, I can tell, and you're saying, well, how'd you know that was God speaking to you? Because I wouldn't have told myself to do that. That's why. (laughs) You'd be crazy to do something like that, wouldn't you? So, but in a moment of blind, naive obedience, in uh, sort of compulsively, because I felt 
the Lord say to do this. I took the lady's walking frame. I set it to the side. You say, what happened next? Did the woman get totally healed? No, she nearly fell over. <laughs> this is the how not to of the healing ministry. So I grabbed a hold of her. And I'll never forget it. What happened next was the most hideous sight you could possibly have imagined. Uh, and, and, and she's holding on to me. And to be honest with you, I'm holding on to her. And I'll never forget, she looked at me with big eyes, as if to say, what are you going to do now? <laughs> and I looked back as if to say, I don't, I don't know. I've never done this before myself. And I, I looked around, and the old pastor of the church was standing behind me on the stage. He stood there with one eye closed and one eye open. The closed eye, I could read it, was saying, God, I hope this works. And the open eye was saying, I'm watching you, and um, if she doesn't get healed, you'll be the one needing the walking frame, never mind the lady. Full of grace. And so I'm standing there, and it's like for 30 seconds to a minute, not a thing happened. Long time. Lo feels like a long time when you are in front of hundreds of people. Nothing is happening. 30 seconds to a minute. Long time. I'm standing there, and my life is flashing before my eyes. And then suddenly, and the only way that I can describe it, and it was a life-changing moment in so many ways. Literally, it was like a bolt came from heaven and shook the woman, and she, she just spread it up straight, and then walked away from me, and began to walk very slowly at first, and then a little faster, and a little faster, and a little faster, until she began to run around the auditorium. Her testimony was that she was completely healed by the power of God. And it was the beginning of a number of wonderful miracles that night. I'll never forget leaving the auditorium afterwards. The pastor stood there with his diary opened, booking me in for my next appointment. And he said to me, do you see this kind of thing all the time? I said, well, you know, <laughs> glory to God, you know. And that night changed. I'm sure, I know it changed the woman's life because she got healed, but it did something in me. You say, well, what, what was God trying to do in my heart that night? You know what I think that God was trying to get across to me that night? He was trying to tell me that he was not impressed with my self-sufficiency. See, I'd gone there prepared. I knew what I was doing. I'd rehearsed that sermon. I'd been in front of a mirror and I preached it, so I knew it was good. But the Lord drew me to a place of complete vulnerability where I was not in control anymore. I had to trust His power. And the, the, the challenge was that in my moment of weakness, in my moment of vulnerability, that's when I encountered the power of God. Isn't there a message in there for all of us? That's the paradox of this message today, that in the context of talking about a house of power, well, the secret is to understand your own vulnerabilities, to understand how much we need God's power. That's, I think, the message that God wants us to understand today. In other words, I think He wants us to stop being impressed by human strength, or by things which take God's place when we live our lives impressed by human power and prestige. This is not what God wants for our lives. I think that's the reason why Jesus turned over the tables in Matthew 21. I've often thought about that. 
strange thing to do. But he was making a point. He's, there's a message even in the turning over the tables, which is that he's saying to people, you, are, you think that power is derived from your corrupt wheelings and dealings, and of course money buys you power and so on. He said, but in my presence it means nothing. So he turns the tables over. I think that in a sense that's what God is wanting us to know today, that yes, it's okay to have personal ambition, but when personal ambition trumps our reliance on God's power, then this is distinctly unimpressive so far as God is concerned. Jesus would rather us live in the sobriety of our weakness than in the delusion of our own strength. That's why the Apostle Paul had to conclude, and he said, uh, it's in my weakness that his strength is made perfect. By the way, Paul the Apostle was uh, a formidable man with formidable talents, abilities, towering intellect. He could have lived his life merely depending on his own strength, his own power, but he had to recognize that I'm a very weak man. That's a wise reflection. I'm weak, and I'm okay with being weak because it's in my recognition of my weakness that is the very thing that is causing me to lean into God's power. So there's the message that I think that God wants us to understand, that if we're going to be a house of power, the first thing that we've got to recognize is how weak we are in ourselves. That's no bad thing. At the end of his ministry, of course, Jesus told the disciples that they were not to leave Jerusalem until they received the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point of Acts 1. Uh, power there, the Greek word power is dunamos, from which we get the word dynamism. This is a power that will lead to breakthroughs and miraculous breakthroughs, supernatural breakthroughs. He said, so don't leave Jerusalem until you get that. And of course, in that context, the disciples would have been more aware at that point than at any point of how utterly bereft they were. This was a bunch of broken guys. This was a bunch of friends who had just regrouped. They had been battered by the storms of life. This was Peter who had messed up and denied even knowing Jesus uh, in the events of the cross. This was Thomas. Thomas was a very clever man, but this was the very man who actually doubted everything that Jesus had ever said. Doubted he'd even risen again from the dead, and, and until he touched the wounds, that's how he was convinced. This was the disciples who had largely abandoned Jesus. They're certainly very silent at the events of the cross. Bunch of broken, vulnerable people, and it is to broken, vulnerable people that the Holy Spirit came and He empowered them. And they turned the world upside down, or as somebody else once said, they turned the world the right way up. And God used them to make a massive difference. Maybe today, maybe today there's a sense in which you're feeling really weak Maybe you're feeling vulnerable. Maybe you're even feeling broken. I don't know what the reasons for that brokenness are. Maybe it's deep things going on in your life, and I'm not here to present quick and easy answers to all of that stuff today. That would be unfair, but I, I do want to encourage your heart. If you do find yourself in a place of personal weakness, brokenness, then in a sense, in a, in a weird sense, that's a good place to be 
because that's your time to lean in to God's strength. You're more than aware right now than you've ever been before of just how much you need God. And the thing that I've discovered about God in my life is that He never wastes a good crisis. You go through this crisis in your life and you think, think, God, what am I going to do? God says, that's my boy, that's my girl. You are exactly where I want you. Now, I want you to lean in. And as we lean in more, as we lean in more, something of the dynamics of the Holy Spirit is birthed in our spirits. Spirit gives birth to spirit, and we are empowered to go and make a difference. That's the point. God uses broken people. And today, all of us are in a place where we can experience the power of God in our lives. No matter how vulnerable you feel, no matter how weak you feel, no matter how ill-prepared you feel, no matter, no matter what is going on in your life, if you will have the courage today in your weakness to lean into God's power, then I believe that God wants to touch you today and release you. There are three areas that I really want to talk about in my remaining few minutes with you that I think that God really wants to highlight to us. When Jesus is in the house, His power is present, and His power is present for breakthrough. Power for breakthrough. That's the first thing that I want to chat to you about just for a few moments. When Jesus is in the house, there is power for breakthrough. Now, when we talk about breakthrough, I'm not so sure whether it's all about us breaking through to God. I actually think that it's a lot about the other way around. In other words, it's God seeking to break through into our hearts. I think maybe that's the reason why we become incredibly conscious of, of our weakness, of our vulnerabilities. The delusion is when we think we're really strong. The delusion is when we think, I've got this thing called life, I can do it, and secretly, you don't, articulate, you don't articulate it like this, but in your heart you think, I don't really need God, almost God's a hobby. I don't think that God, God wants it to be like that. So, so, so sometimes when we hit that little crisis, that little moment in our life of brokenness, of weakness, we become conscious of just how much we need God. We always need Him in good times and bad times, but when we become conscious of it, that's a good thing. And when we lean into God's grace, there is breakthrough power for all of us. His kingdom rule is established in our hearts, and that rule points to a king who sits upon his throne and that king is the Lord of lords, whether I understand it, whether I get it, even in my questions, even in my challenges, even in my problems, even in my difficulties. When I allow him to reign in my heart, I say, you are the Lord over everything that is going on in me and around me in my life. And you see, when you live in that revelation, there is breakthrough power in that because God has broken through into your heart. And suddenly, instead of magnifying the greatness of your circumstances, you begin to focus on the greatness of your amazing King who sits upon His throne and who reigns forever and ever and ever and ever. And the thing is, that kingdom is welcomed by humble hearts. That's the, again, that's a bit of a paradox. This is not about a power trip. When we talk about a house of power, 
It's not an egotistical thing. It's not a power trip. The power of God is received by humble hearts. One of the greatest breakthrough verses in the Old Testament is 2 Chronicles 7.14. Many of you will know it. If my people who are called by my name will, what? They'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from wickedness. Then God says, I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin. And then there's a national implication, I'll heal their land. The implication of these verses is that breakthrough in the nation begins in the hearts of God's people. It starts with you and I. It starts with you and I actually allowing God to have His way in our lives. When we look at the state of our nation at the moment, and I don't want to get into that, but it really is not a good, it's not encouraging when we look and see what's happening, division and, and the sense of animosity and so on. And it all leads me to conclude in my heart that if ever our nation needed a breakthrough, then it's today. It's today. If ever Peterborough needed a breakthrough, it's today. And Leicester and Cambridge and London and everywhere else that we happen to come from, if we are going to see a breakthrough, then we've got to understand that God needs to be given permission, if you like, to break into our own hearts first. Allow God's strength to overcome your weakness. In your weakness, say, Lord, come and come and help me. Come and help me to become everything you've called me to be. There's a cry in my heart today that says, Lord, come and have your way. That's a scary prayer, but I'm going to dare to pray it anyway. Come and have your way. Come and break through. Break through in my family. Break through in my street. Break through in my friends. What about your workplace? Lord, break through in my workplace. Cause there to be this sense of revival breaking through all over the place. And may I be a carrier of that breakthrough power, because when Jesus is in the house, there is power for breakthrough. Anybody believe this today? And I believe it with all my heart that God wants us to catch that. Here's the second thing that I think that God wants us to know, that when Jesus is in the house, there is power for healing. I'm going to say that again. When Jesus is in the house, there is power for healing. Now, I totally get it. I understand that the subject of healing is a challenging subject for many of us. I get it. I totally get it. I'm with you. I'm there. I've got questions. Sometimes we have disappointments. Sometimes there are unanswered questions. There are some things in life that are problems that can be solved, but there are some things in life that are tensions that have just got to be managed. And when it comes to the dynamics of the Spirit, there are lots of tensions that we've got to manage. That's worth a whole 30-minute sermon in itself, probably more than 30. But I want to encourage you today, if you have been challenged in your own life in terms of the subject of healing, can I encourage you never to stop believing God? Have the audacity. You say, but I feel really weak. All the more reason to trust God. In your weakness, in what you don't know, trust in what God does know. In your weakness, let His strength be made perfect in you and dare to trust Him. It is, it is a clear 
message from the Gospels that everywhere that Jesus went, people were healed. This was a manifestation of his kingdom. But what fascinates me is how that Jesus loved the audacity of faith. Faith that wouldn't quit. Faith that even persevered for years and years and years. One of my favorite stories is to do with a woman who had an issue of blood. And she'd spent everything that she had trying to get a cure. And she'd been believing for healing for many, many years and wasn't healed. So she had as many questions as anybody has on this subject. And yet, something within her was drawn to Jesus. The woman of God that was within her was drawn to Jesus. And so she's standing on the outskirts of a crowd, massive crowd. Jesus is in the center of that crowd. But this woman thinks to herself, if I touch him, I'm going to get healed. I, and I'm, I know what's going to happen. And she was different from most of the other people in that crowd that day. There were a lot of people waiting for Jesus to come along and touch them. This woman was really, really cheeky. She said, I'm not going to wait for him to touch me. I'm going to touch him. Even if he's not looking, I'll just touch the hem of his garment and I know I'm going to be healed. And so... She begins her journey of pushing through the crowd. I always often think that journey must have been absolutely daunting when you think about it. A massive crowd, a thronging crowd. And she's pushing her way through. And as she's pushing, this is a very un-British miracle, by the way. I, I preach a great message on this called The Woman Who Refused to Queue Up. <laughs> you see, in Britain, we like to queue up. Everybody, and everybody, gets, everybody, notice, everybody gets really mad if anybody dares to push to the front of the queue, it's like this is a national injustice. Forget every other issue in our nation. Someone has pushed to the front of the queue. This was that woman. And she was misunderstood. And I don't think she was too concerned about that. She was just desperate because she knew he has the power to heal me. And if I'll just push and not give up, and touch him. I know something's going to happen. So she pushed through the opinions, through what people were saying, through the misunderstanding, through the unbelief and the cynicism, and she just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. She touches the hem of his garment. What happens? She gets immediately healed. Jesus stops the meeting. Ironic, strange, almost comedic. Who touched me? A lot of people touching him. Must have been a strange thing for the people standing around him to hear Jesus say that. But he knew that someone had touched him by faith. And he said, your faith has made you whole. Sozo is the Greek word for healing. In other words, what he's saying is because you just kept trusting me and you refused to give up, that has led you into a place where you have experienced a miracle. And I want to encourage you today, no matter how seemingly daunting or difficult your challenges may be, never stop leaning into God's power. Keep pressing in. Keep pushing into Jesus and watch what He does in your life. I remember preaching at a little church one day uh, many years ago. There was an old farmer's wife who came into the meeting, and she came out for prayer for healing, and uh, she came with a word. If you go to that meeting, it, this meeting was on a Saturday night, if you go to that meeting, you're going to get healed. And she had simple faith to believe that. So she came along to the meeting. She couldn't wait for the worship time to be over. That's her story. Because she just wanted to get out and get prayer for healing. 
And so I call people out for prayer. The farmer's wife, she comes out. I pray for her. It's an anointed prayer, if I do say so myself, because there was King James in there, and it was technically correct. And I'm halfway through my prayer, and suddenly the lady stops me. That's enough. Thank you very much. I'm healed. And she goes back to her seat. I thought, how rude. The technical Roy Todd said, you can't be healed. I'm not finished yet. And, uh, and she just said, no, 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 I'm healed. And that intrigued me. I'll never forget it. She actually was struggling with, they'd found a, a shadow of cancer on her lung. Anyway, I, I was intrigued over the next weeks and I called up the pastor. I said, I'm intrigued. You've got you to gotta let me know. What's the story of the woman? Oh, he said, we've got an update. She came. They, they had told her that we see the shadow of the cancer in your lung. They said, uh, so she, she went to see her doctor again after she got prayer, and they have confirmed that there isn't even a hint of the cancer in her body. They're quite amazed by it. And I thought, you see, that's the kind of cheeky faith that God likes. And I believe that God is looking for us to lean into his healing power today. Here's the final thing that I want to say, that when Jesus is in the house, there's power for transformation. Hey, listen, God's the master at changing people's lives. He can turn a mess into a message. He can, do the imp- he can do the impossible with what seems like an impossible situation. He can transform circumstances and villages and towns and cities and churches and nations. There is nothing that's impossible with our God. This is our God's power to transform people's lives I want to encourage all of us, and I felt to say this today, that in our current state, in our nation, as we're pushing into the best of God and believing for the best in the midst of whatever is happening, let's be careful not to become cynical. Let's be careful not to get ourselves filled with unbelief. It can be so easy, and I can be as guilty of it as anybody, of becoming cynical and skeptical and negative, and that is never helpful in our journey of pushing into the power of God. No, 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 no. Faith is positive. Faith keeps declaring a good word that all things are possible, that even the person who looks like they're furthest away from God when God touches that person's life, they can be totally transformed, healed, forgiven, released. Anybody believe this today? This is the power of our amazing God. And in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus told the disciples to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, it's because He was trying to get the point across. The Holy Spirit is the one who transforms people's lives. He's a transforming spirit. He He is the one who sets people free. The Bible tells us that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's got the power to release us from oppression. And He's got the power to release us from fear. And He's got the power to release us even from the spirit of people pleasing and worrying about opinions. God can release you from that today. And I believe that if we'll lean into His grace, we can experience the power of God in our lives. When Jesus is in the house, His power is present. And when the power of God is present, anything is possible. And what what do I think that God wants to do in our hearts today? Do you know what I think He wants to do? I think He wants to stir our hearts. I think that He wants us to be less impressed by human prestige and power, 
And he wants us to lean into heaven's best because there is a kingdom that is not of this world. And one day, that kingdom will be fully manifested. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One day, we'll see the full manifestation of that kingdom, and I cannot wait for that day. But meanwhile, there is no reason why we cannot see manifestations of that kingdom, his rule, his reign. And I believe that in that, there is God's power to transform. There is God's power to heal. There is God's power to break through. I want to see more. I've seen some good things in my life, but I want to see more. I've seen some wonderful miracles even in my own life, but I'm hungry to see more. There's a stirring of the Spirit in my heart, and I believe that that same stirring is in here today in our hearts. We're saying, Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you've done up to now, but, but we're not satisfied with that. We want to see more. I want to see more healings. Anybody else? I want to see more breakthroughs. I want to see more salvations. I want to see families transformed. I want to see whole cities changed by God's power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your God. He is not small. He is not feeble. He is not weak. He is powerful. He's the king who sits upon his throne. He reigns forever and ever and ever. It reminds me of the old story of the old martyr Hugh Latimer. I was reading about him recently, and Latimer used to write embroid scripture verses on little handkerchiefs and send them to the king of England of his day. And that king was not a, such a godly king. And the story goes that one Sunday as Hugh Latimer standing at the front of his church before the service, suddenly this entourage comes in and there is the king in all his splendor and he sits down at the back and he'll, he's thinking to himself, this will teach Latimer never to write to me again. I don't need God. And the first thought that came into Latimer's mind, Latimer, Latimer, be careful what you say. The king of England is here. And he began to shake from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, thinking, I better change my message because the one I've got right now is not going to sit well with the king. And then another voice spoke to Latimer in the depths of his being. Latimer, Latimer, the voice said, be careful what you say. The king of kings is here. And ladies and gentlemen, the King of Kings is in this room today. Let's not insult him with small believing and small thinking. Let's dare to submit ourselves afresh to him, even submitting our challenges, our brokenness, our vulnerabilities, our questions. His power is more than able to sustain us. Does anybody believe a word of what I'm saying here today? I believe it with all my heart, with all my heart. Let me pray over you. Let me pray a prayer over you. Father, I thank you. I thank you that your power is here, right here, right now. And I pray that as we lean into your grace, that you would release healing power today, breakthrough power today, transforming power today that will touch our lives, that will touch our families, that will touch our cities. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.